Take your Bibles, go with me to Psalm 72. Psalm 72. All of you should be married to the Holy Spirit. I regularly receive conviction. Amen? Uh, Holy Spirit, Betty, conviction. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the King is coming. And that's what I want you to write down. I want you to understand what's going on here in this passage of Scripture. Now, I need you to understand that God's been working from the very beginning. In the very beginning, he was king. In the very beginning, he was king. And then they chose not to obey him, and they were cast out of the garden, and they suffered the consequences of their sin. And since sin, uh, sin entered into the world and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That should be something like Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. And so all through the Old Testament, you're getting picture after picture that somebody's coming. You don't know who it is. You don't understand it. But as you go through Scripture, your your knowledge increases. In Genesis 3.15, that's that first one. He says there that there will be a seed born, and there will be another seed born, and he'll crush the head. That's Jesus coming. And then, and then Cain and Abel, and Adam and Eve, they're covered with skins. And you don't know what that's about till you get further in the Bible, but they were covered and their sins were forgiven. That was a sacrifice. And then Cain and Abel come to God and Cain and Abel offer sacrifices and Abel brings a blood sacrifice. He brings a lamb and Cain brings uh, a little, don't you dare. (laughs) Betty's writing notes right now. And, and, And Cain and Cain comes and he brings the fruit of the ground and that's not what God wants. You go all the way through the Bible, it's always that. When you get, God never wanted the nation of Israel to have a king. We'll get some of those verses tonight. He didn't want them to have a king. But they wanted to be like their worldly lost neighbors. They wanted to be like people that didn't know him. God had been the king. It was a theocracy, not a democracy. It was a theocracy. God was ruling, and he ruled through judges and prophets. And that's how how he did things. And then they wanted a king. And then God sets up this fabulous earthly king named David. Now, David is par excellent, except for having sex with Bathsheba and killing Uriah, his best buddy. Other than that, he was a pretty good guy. And, uh, and he gets up into, he gets in a position and God makes big promises that one day, one day someone will sit on the throne of David forever and ever. And it was going to be a wonderful thing. As I go through this psalm with you, I want you to notice some things. Do you ever notice how corrupt government is? I mean, you can't keep up with it. On the, on the, today, I am listening to a book about Patton, a World War II general, and I'm hearing about how, how Roosevelt and, and uh, Churchill are courting this guy who's a murderous thug named Joseph Stalin. I'm reading all about that. I listen to all that. I'm actually listening to the book, and I'm listening to it, and it's such a corrupt time and what they're doing, and what's going on in Russia, and all that. And so in the book of Psalm, in chapter 72, the Lord's basically going to say, there's coming a time there'll be a good government. There's coming a time there'll be a good king. There's coming a time when there won't be deceit and violence. There's coming a time when the poor and the needy and the helpless are going to get help. And so I want to read with you, if I could, Psalm 72. Now, I do not want to make it a complete habit, but I still think it'd be good for you to read with me. So I'll read verse 1, you read verse 2, and we'll read all of Psalm 72. You ready? Give the king thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness unto the king's son. Thy 
The mountains shall bring peace to the people, and the little hills by righteousness. They shall fear thee as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. In his days shall the righteous flourish in abundance of peace so long as the moon endures. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him, and his enemies shall lick the dust. Yea, all kings shall fall down before him, all nations shall serve him. He shall spare the poor and needy, he shall save the souls of the needy. I'll preach it in just a second, but do you understand? that big governments don't care about little people. And uh, many parts of the world, they've been known to just kill people. Our country's even had some of those times, and deceit and violence have been bad. But when this king reigns, even little people's blood, like not aborted babies, got to get an amen, their blood will be precious in his sight. Verse 15, and he shall live and to him shall be given the gold of Sheba. Prayer also shall be made for him continually, and daily shall he be praised. His name shall endure forever. Amen. His name shall be continued as long as the sun, and men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. You should underline that. He only does wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Father in heaven, I pray that you would help us tonight to get ready for the time when you will come. I pray you'd help us to get excited about this 1,000 year reign when you will set up your kingdom. I pray God your name would be magnified and glorified and I'll give you great praise for what you do tonight. I pray, God, that you help us to consider the same truths as I go through them that you brought out about the nation of Israel. We'd, we would also consider them and apply them in our lives. And I'll give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you got your Bible open real quick, just look at verse 20, and David's ending his prayers, so evidently David's doing the praying. And if you got your Bible right up here, they have little notes that tell you what this is. It says, a psalm for Solomon. And most likely, this is a song, a prayer that David says, I really want God to bless my boy. You know, it was David's heart. It was David's heart to build a temple. It was David's heart to lead God's people. And when his boy gets around to building a temple, God's like, he's a little boy. He ain't that smart. He ain't doing that good. I need you to really help him. And he prays for him. And he wants Solomon to be 
blessed. By the way, Solomon is going to be so blessed. I'll read you some verses tonight. Solomon is going to be so blessed, even silver will become like rocks out here. Y'all pulled into the parking lot on the side. And those of you who park over here where I park, you just probably drove up on some silver rocks. You know, that's how cheap silver is for them. It's like gravel. Take your Bible real quick and go with me to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. There is a time coming in the future where Jesus will sit on the throne of David and he will rule over the entire earth. It'll be unlike anything you've ever seen. While you're turning, I'll read this verse to you again in a minute, but have you ever noticed what you pray when you pray what they call the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer? Say it with me if you would, just the first few lines. I'll stop. You ready? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Yeah, you probably thought that meant, I don't just want to be king in my heart. No, his kingdom is coming. His kingdom is coming. In Revelation chapter 6, chapter 6 down to verse 19, you have the tribulation period. You have a time when God is going to bring what's called Jacob's trouble, which he's going to bring his intense persecution. He's going to wake the nation of Israel. He's going to use them. And at the end of that, go with me if you would to Revelation chapter 20. And I want you to underline a couple of things in your Bible. Verse 2. Verse 1, I saw an angel come down from heaven having a key to a bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent. I wonder where that old serpent started creeping his crummy head up way back in Genesis chapter 3. He said, that old servant, serpent, which is the devil and Satan. And he bound him, underline, a thousand years. Underline it, a thousand years. Then look down, if you would, in verse 3. And he cast him into a bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years, underline thousand years, should be fulfilled. And, and after that, he must be loosed a little season. Underline thousand years, you've seen it twice. Look, if you would, in verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, for the word of God, which we, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, nor had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ, underline, a thousand years. Verse 5, the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years, underline thousand years. This is the first resurrection. Verse 6, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such a death had no power. They shall be priests of God and Christ and shall reign with him. Underline reign with him or circle it a thousand years. Verse 7, and when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and he'll go and deceive the nations. Now go back with me to Psalm Chapter 72. Now watch this if you would. Here's what's on the timetable. We had all that stuff going back on in the Old Testament. We had the law given, and the law was given to show man he was a sinner. And it was never for men to keep. We make a big mistake. We're like, we ought to honor and respect the Ten Commandments, and we ought to. But the reason the Ten Commandments exist are to say you're sick and you need a Savior. The reason the Ten Commandments exist say you're a sinner and you need rescuing, and that's what's going on. And so the law was given, and then at the end of Malachi, there's 400 years of silence, and God really doesn't talk to his people. Then Jesus comes and starts doing everything that's been prophesied all through the Old Testament. And... The next thing, Jesus dies and is buried and rises again. The Holy Spirit comes on them. 
And the next thing on the timetable is us to be raptured out of here. And that'll happen. That'll happen sometime. Who knows when? Could happen today. Could happen this afternoon. Could happen tonight. Could happen tomorrow. Jesus is coming to get us. Then there's going to be this tribulation period. And then after that, there's going to be a kingdom. And that kingdom's a Jewish kingdom led by Jesus. will be involved. But you need to understand that. Go with me if you would. Go if you would to Psalm 72. But before I do, Isaac Watts, the great songwriter, read this psalm and wrote the following song about Jesus reigning. The so words are, Jesus shall reign. Where the sun does its successive journeys run, his kingdoms stretch from shore to shore till moons shall wax and wane no more. To him, that's Jesus, shall endless prayer be made and praises throng to crown his head. His name, like sweet perfume, shall rise with every morning sacrifice. People and realms of every tongue dwell on his love. With sweetest song and infant voices shall proclaim their early blessings on his name. Blessings abound where he reigns. The prisoners keep leap to loose their chains. The weary find eternal rest, and all who suffer want are blessed. Let every creature rise and bring the highest honors to our king. Angels ascend with songs again, and earth repeat the loud amen. So Jesus will come and reign. Go with me to Psalm 72 and verse 1. So in the first part of the psalm, David's praying. These are songs that are going to be sung in the congregation when they get together on the Sabbath day, which is Saturday. We meet on the first day because Jesus arose on the first day. And when they get in there, the, the psalmist, probably David, says, Give the king thy judgments, O God. God, teach the king how to make good decisions and give your righteousness to the king. Help him do right. That's important for every government. Did you know that when God set up a kingdom, he set it up with a, with a definite plan he wanted followed? Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 17. In verse 14, I hope they can keep up. You watch, but you look it up in your Bible and read what happens. Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verse 14. Now, while we're getting there, let me just say this. God didn't want him to have a king. He said, but I know you will. He said, I know you're going to want to be like your neighbors. I know you're going to want to do what lost people do. We ought not want to do what lost people do. Amen. Uh, but we don't need, we don't need, uh, we don't need intimacy like lost people have it. We don't need marriage like lost people have it. We don't need to handle our money like lost people handle their money. Our lives are lived to a whole different way of living. We belong to Jesus. Amen. So we ought not do that. But look if you would at Deuteronomy 17, 14. And when thou art come into the land which the, thy, the Lord thy God gives thee and shall possess it and shall dwell therein and shall say, I will set a king over me like as all the nations that are about me. Now, I want to get you to underline the Lord thy God gives thee. Would you underline that verse? Now listen to this, what I'm about to tell you. President Biden is not in charge. Nor is Great Britain, nor is Russia, nor is China, nor is anyone else. There's somebody in charge who sets up kings and takes down kings, sets up presidents, sets up countries. We worship and serve the God who is in charge. If you understand that, say amen. He said, the Lord gives you the land, and when you get there, you're going to want to set a king over you. Verse 15, thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee. Whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shalt thou set over thee as a king. Don't put a stranger. 
Don't let a foreigner be your king but uh, that's not your brother. Verse 16. Before I read verse 16, you've got to understand that the God of heaven likes to think that his people go to him when they have needs. You know, the last thing we do is pray. We try every doctor. We try every lawyer. We try everything else. And when all else fails, let's pray. When the God of heaven's like, do you know who I am? So look if you would in verse 16. That king shall not multiply horses. Underline that. Now, horses. You know what that is? That's jet airplanes. That's tanks. That's battleships. That's things to go to war with. He said, he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said unto them, you shall not return, henceforth return no more that way. Can we just think a little second about what Egypt is? Before we go on, and this, this is so important, every time you study your Bible, Egypt's where they were slaves. Egypt's where they killed their boy babies. Egypt's where they were mistreated. And Egypt is a symbol of what the world does to you. The thief has come up for to kill, to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus has come that you might have life and have it more abundant. Why would you want to go back down where you were a slave? Why would you want to go back to where sin had you captive? Why would you want to go back there? But they did. And he said in verse 16, underline it, you shall henceforth return no more that way. Don't go back to the world. Verse 17, don't multiply wives to yourselves. Underline that. Oh boy, David messes up on that one, don't he? He said, don't multiply wives to yourself because if you do, they'll turn your heart away. Huh. They'll turn your heart away. You remember Solomon? Solomon will end up with a thousand wives and concubines total. A thousand. And they will turn his heart away and he will actually build temples to wicked demon gods right in the city of Jerusalem. He said, I don't want the wives to turn your heart away and I don't want you to multiply silver and gold. Hey, David. Hey, Saul. Hey, John, hey Solomon. Hey, guys that are going to be kings, don't tax the people and try to get rich. Verse 18. That's what he tells the king. He said, I want you. Now, verse 18, you need to read verse 18. Mark it in your Bible. It says, it shall be when he sits upon the throne of his kingdom. When that king gets there and he's sitting on his throne, he is to write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priest, the Levites. Do you understand that? Now, by the way, they didn't photostatic copy that. They didn't go to the word processor and say, spit me out a printed copy of that. They didn't use a dot matrix. They didn't use a laser printer. They didn't use anything. We got he's handwriting him a copy. Y'all probably never done this, but when I was a kid, I decided I was going to write a copy of the Bible with my hand. I think I got to like Genesis 15 or 20. And then I said, this hurts my hand and this is hard and I am messing up too much. This king is to write himself a copy of the law and look at what it says to him. And he said, I want him to read the Bible, the word of God. This would have been Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the law. He said, I want him to read it every day of his life. Why? Look in your Bible. This is why you read. This is why you need to read the Bible. Look, if you would, at verse 19, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God. I ought to read the Bible so I say, man, God's in charge. And I ought to believe the Bible. And I'll learn to keep the words of the law and the statutes. Verse 20, so that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren. 
A king ought not think he's better than anybody. A king ought not be lifted up. And that he turn not aside from the commandments to the right hand of the left. And God will prolong his days. The king of Israel was to be a man of the book. Could you write that down? You ought to be a man of the book. You ought to be a woman of the book. The king was to be a man of principle. Look at Psalm 72, 2. The Bible says, he shall judge thy people with righteousness and thy poor with judgment. I want you to underline in that righteousness. And then I want you to underline thy poor. Now, do you understand what happens when you, can we be honest? If you can afford to pay for the dream team lawyers, you'll probably get off. But if you're poor, you'll probably get squished. But this king says, that's not how I do it. I judge the people rightly. I judge the people with a holy judgment. And I do the same thing with poor people. Look at the verse. And the same thing with poor people, he said. The world doesn't know about that. Look at Psalm 72, 4. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy and shall break in pieces the oppressor. You should align that in your Bible. You realize what God's going to do? He says, he's, now, this, is, this really doesn't happen yet. It didn't happen under Solomon either. It didn't happen under David because humans don't do a good job of right. Because humans don't do a good job of right. I don't do a good job of right as a pastor. You don't really do as good a job as you think you do. But he said, hey, he'll take care of the children of the needy and he'll break in pieces the oppressor, those that are taking advantage, those that are abusing other people. He says he'll, they'll take care of that. Look at Deuteronomy 1, 17, or make a note of it in your Bible. You see, he's a man of principle. And it says in verse Deuteronomy 1, 17, you shall not respect persons in judgment. A guy doesn't come before the king of Israel and he go, you're poor, you're rich, you can pay me. I don't like you. I don't like your race. I don't like your nationality. You don't do that. But you hear the small as well as the great. And you're not afraid of the face of a man for you know the judgment is God's. And that is too hard for them to bring it to me. And they set up a whole Supreme Court there. Go to 72, three now. He is to be a man of peace. The mountains shall bring peace. The high and lifted up will bring peace to the people and little hills by righteousness. I really want you to write this down. I'm going to beg you to do what I'm about to talk to you about. We've gone over it before, but I've got a good feeling we don't do much of it. You should be praying for our president and our vice president and our governor and our senators and our congressman and our sheriff and all the other people, not because I think so, but because you are commanded to. And as a born-again believer, you want to do what God wants you to do. Read with me 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. I exhort, therefore, I challenge, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Pray. We ought to pray for each other. Well, to pray for other people. But look at verse 2. For kings and all that are in authority. I ought to be praying for kings. I ought to be praying for the president. You say, I don't think I like the president. It doesn't have a, there's no clause in there. Amen. There's no clause in there. And if you know Romans chapter 13, it's God that puts in and God that sets up and God that appoints leadership. Whether you like it or not, God saw fit for that to be what he gave us. Pray for kings. Why do we pray? For our government leaders, look if you would at verse 2. 
that, that's telling you why, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all, uh, in all godliness and honesty. You know what I like most about the United States of America? I can preach the word of God. I can read my Bible. I can share my faith. I can stand for the Lord. I can be a man of conviction in this country. God's given us that peace so far. But you and I were commanded to pray for the leadership God's placed in our lives. I have on my prayer list, I have all these guys. I just write them a note when I pray for them, and I just send a note and says, just prayed for you. That's it. I didn't ask them for anything. They probably think, what's that nut doing? But you know, we ought to pray for them. Do you pray for our political leaders that we can live in peace and do the ministry that God has called us to do as a church? Do you pray? If you don't pray, are you being disobedient? Now, this is obviously the kingdom. It's going to be Jesus. And that's who we're talking about here. But there's a definite New Testament application. I think you ought to pray. Number two, look, if you would, uh, what's about to be said about an earthly king, but more than that, about a heavenly king. Before I share verses with you, you do know that Jesus came to be king, Right? Read Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 before we read back here in Psalm. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. Now look at, the, look at the, the screen if you don't have your Bible open. You know this verse? How many of you know this verse? If you know it, say amen. amen. For unto us a child is born. That, that's Christmas. But we don't even understand what's going on here. It says unto us a son is given. We're happy. And then it says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. That hadn't happened yet. That hadn't happened yet. He actually tells political leaders in Rome, this is not my kingdom. If it were, I'd take care of things. Huh? This ain't my kingdom. But his kingdom's coming. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. I can't wait till you're king. He said, and government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom. If you got your Bible open, underline the throne of David. That's what I talked to you about earlier. To order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice. From henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. Go back to Psalm 72, verse 5, if you would. This king wants to be respected. I think David probably praised this for Solomon. But the verse even indicates we're not talking about a regular guy. In Psalm 72, 5, it said, They shall fear thee as long as the sun and moon endure and then it says, throughout all generations. Did you know that most people don't have the respect for leaders? Uh, half of our country almost always hates our leaders. And you can mark it down when Jesus becomes the king of the millennial kingdom. Every year they live, a thousand years, more and more people are going to be born. More and more people are going to reject Jesus. And by the time the end of the thousand years is over... The Lord's going to let the devil out of the bottomless pit. He's going to come back and deceive all these lost people, and they're going to rise up in rebellion. And, and, the, and the psalm says, and they shall fear thee. You know, you don't mess with God. When you think you're in charge, God comes riding in on a white horse in the book of Revelation and wipes them out. 
In the thousand-year period, Jesus will rule from above, Psalm 72, 6, like rain and as showers. And his people will enjoy great blessings. Look at verse 7. And in his days shall the righteous flourish. And in his days, God's going to see to it that when he sets up his kingdom, that God's people flourish. And God's people are blessed. Do you already serve and honor him as your king? I'd like to just remind you, his kingdom's not here yet. We're still praying it'll come, but I ought to live and act like he's my king. I ought not go about making decisions without checking with my king. He ought to be on my heart and on my mind all day long. I ought to have my bill fold out and I ought to say, God, uh, I don't owe you 10% and I keep 90%. I ought to say, God, all 100% sures help me. You know, you don't just give God a tithe and you can do whatever you want with 10%. God's not a mafia boss. He wants us to be totally committed to him as king. I don't get to give him Sunday and Saturday night, act like the devil. I, it's a, it's a, he's my king. He's my king all the time. Go to Psalm 72 and verse 8. Jesus will rule the world. Look at verse 8. He shall have dominion. This is not Solomon. Because look at what it says. From sea to sea and the ends of the earth. Jesus is coming as king. Jesus is coming as king. In chapter 72 and verse 9, his enemies will bow down and lick the dust before him. In Psalm 72, good night at 6 o'clock. I'm so sorry. i got to speed up. <laughs> I didn't look up. I always look at that clock. Sorry about that. They're going to bring presents and offer gifts, and all kings shall fall before him, and all nations shall serve him. And you remember praying, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Now go with me to Psalm 72, 12. Jesus will care from people from the poor up. Boy, don't the, you know what? You know what all the social unrest is about? Everybody thinks there's not justice. There will be one day. Amen. Go with me if you would to Psalm 72, 12, and I want you to mark some words. We're going to rush right now, so hurry. Psalm 72, 12, for he shall deliver who? Underline it, the needy, the needy, and the poor also, and those that have no helper. And the poor and the needy in verse 13. And the souls of the needy. In verse 14, he will take care of the abused. He will get rid of this deceit and violence. And he will consider their blood precious in his sight. I heard today uh, when Stalin was taking over Russia, they killed like 25,000 people with a bullet to the back of the head. And the guy shooting him, it hurt his hand. He had to shoot so many people. They, they didn't care. They didn't care. They didn't care. But God does. And Jesus will. I challenge all of us to think about the poor and the needy. Now listen to me. We are wealthy. Do you understand how rich we are? Do you understand that like 97% of the world lives far lower than we do? Do you understand that Brother Wilkerson just came up here and, and spoke to us about going to a country where we make more in a day or a week than they make in weeks, months, or maybe a year. We are rich. But I'm rich in another way. I was born in a family that told me about Jesus. I was born in a family that gave me a word of God. I've been raised. I'm in a church where Jesus is preached. I'm one of the richest people you're ever going to meet. I am born again on my way to heaven, full of the Holy Spirit, got the word of God, and nobody in the world has that. Jesus wants it spread. Amen. We ought to do that. 
Last thing, Psalm 72, 16. When Jesus rules, there'll be prosperity. And there was when Solomon ruled. In Psalm 72, 16, the city shall flourish. In 1 Kings 10, 27, the Bible said, and the king made silver to be in Jerusalem as stones, rocks. I want you to imagine that. We were on vacation with a whole crew, all 30-something of us. We were up in uh, Gatlinburg area, and a rock rolled off the hill and hit my granddaughter in the head. I believe it was my granddaughter, wasn't it? Lelia. Hit her in the head, big old rock. My wife saved that rock, but I killed a girl. I guess they won't remember that. And it's right outside my garage, and I pull up there. Just a big old silver rock laying there. It's not really silver, guys. Y'all could laugh. It wouldn't hurt you. Verse 17, I want you to look at it. His name shall endure forever. It will continue as long as the sun. All nations will call him blessed. Psalm 72, 18, and I'll quit. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only does wondrous things. I want you to give you a parallel verse. Take your Bible and go with me to Son. James 1.17. James 1.17, I believe it is. The Bible says in James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom with whom is no variableness, either shadow of turning. Amen. What a God. Amen. Now, two or three things. I ought to be honoring him like king, are we? I ought to be laying my, my, my calendar out and saying, God, am I honoring you with my time? I'll be laying out my talents and saying, God, am I honoring you with my talents? I'll be laying out my treasure and saying, God, I'm honoring you with my treasure. I ought to take my children and say, God, you didn't give me these children for you. For me, they're for you. You're the king. I ought to be living my life saying, what's the king want? What's the king want? What's the king want? We ought to be thinking that he's coming to set up his kingdom. Do you treat him like a king? Father in heaven, I love you, and I praise you, and I magnify you. I pray you bless your people tonight. I pray they go home confident that you are the king of the universe, and you will set up your kingdom on earth, and then you'll take us to heaven, to a new heaven and a new earth that you have prepared, and your name will be magnified and glorified. God, do a work in our midst, and I'll give you praise and honor and glory for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all very much.